Hello and welcome to week three of the new millennium. We are back for the JTG podcast. We're a member down but a member up this week. We have got a man back in action and he's Ronan Duggan. All right, all right, all right. How, How are we doing? How are you feeling, Ron? You ready to? Uh, I'm a little bit nervous, you know. It's like coming yeah. back to an old flame. That's uh, it. Drop some truth bombs. Exactly. Well, I know I was never really that controversial anyway. I'll probably just sit in the fence. Just blend in, blend into the background <laughs> there. And Beige. we also have Phelan Kelly here. Uh, Colin Denny, he is absconded stateside, so we still have the trio, but uh, we're interchanging, substituting. Phelan, how are you doing this, this evening? Yeah, going well. Yeah, Colin's up on top of a roof in San Francisco listening to Blind Boy while we... Uh, listening to us, our previous podcast, surely. surely on repeat. Mm. Exactly, surely. So he's still uh, beavering away there doing all this spike smack and IAAF work and uh, we're getting ready for the Leicester schools. Yeah, yeah. That actually <laughs> reminds me of uh, one of the time two years ago when we had jumping on Going Strong and uh, people were asking, like, how can you afford to send uh, guys away to these uh, competitions, like, over in New, like, to Oregon? Yeah. It's like, uh, yes. yeah, we're in, we don't have any money. We, d- uh, we don't. <laughs> uh, not quite. Anyway, so this week, we're getting some good uh, traction and feedback on the last two weeks anyway, so we're going to truck on for another week, at three in a row at least. We're going to be looking at, uh, there was a piece in the Irish Times from Sonia O'Sullivan talking about athletes and their use of social media. We're going to be trucking on towards the uh, one of the motions from Congress, which looked at a subsidy on the membership, which is supposed to be ring-fenced towards coaching in athletics in Ireland, which could be a good thing. Uh, we had a question on Twitter about possible Irish records to be broken in 2018, the summer season, which could be an interesting one to go into. And... Also, quick roundup of some of the crazy NCAA action that's been going on in the last couple of days and the Diamond League at the weekend and what we're looking forward to in the week to come. So, I think we'll jump straight in. Irish Times, a couple of days ago, Sainer Sullivan had a piece which was titled Irish Athletes Need to Win on the Track, Not Just Not on Social Media. So, just a quick excerpt from that uh, piece to get us rolling so we know what we're talking about says too many are operating in the comfort zone too worried about sharing their training sessions meals and travel destinations on social media when an athlete goes to a championship more often you get an impression that they're on a sporting holiday with all the snaps and videos being sent home what is more important to be a great athlete who delivers a result on a major stage or an athlete who uses their national team status as some sort of platform to grow their followers and maybe gain extra extra sponsors to fund their athlete lifestyle Phelan, any thoughts? Any thoughts? No, I'm pretty happy enough. Yeah, yeah, I've no uh, alliance to anybody. No. Uh, no, I think uh, the first off, uh, it's great that you know we're getting opinion pieces on athletics in the papers. Uh, I'll, I'll just go into that in a second, but just staying on the point, um, it generated a lot of uh, interest and and on both sides of the fence in terms of the, in terms of that opinion piece. Uh, which was good to see, and yeah, it kind of shows you what role now social media plays in in athletes and what way they operate. So I think it's, you know, I think some people use it well, some maybe don't use social media so well. But again, you know, in terms of where we're going with it, I think that you know that it falls on a number of suits. But we've looked at, I suppose, the high end people that use social media. It's it's a business, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and they use it well, and they also use it to. To help them advance their sport and performance, even just in other sports like Conor McGregor, obviously is is a big user. And then maybe domestically, and then obviously compete well on the international stage. Thomas Barr certainly uses uh, social media, I think, to his advantage. And I don't think just financially, but I think you know, even I was talking to my dad about it earlier, uh, just about the use of social media and what he thought about. It. And he was like, you know, well, you know, what are you going to do to pass the time? all day you know between the meets and between different things and you know I think athletes use it as a source of fun as well mm-hmm. as I don't think it's just necessarily uh, boosting their ego or their bank balance I think they use it as a, like a social outlet like people like playing Fortnite I think is the in game at the mm-hmm. moment like people use their social media to to kind of like pass the time of it. yeah Ronan any thoughts 
Yeah, well, I think it's really good for, for juveniles. Just to get back to so she said Irish athletes need to win on the track, not just on social media. Yes. So just keep it in relation to Irish for the yeah, minute yeah, and yeah. see what we think. And I, I think it's really good from a, like, from a juvenile's perspective, like the, the lads that I coached in school there, a lot of them would go, oh, well, I saw this and uh, you know on social, on Instagram, whatever, last night. You know what? What's that do, or what's that good for? Or they've they've kind of gone out and bought foam rollers and stuff because they've seen other athletes on Instagram and that kind of stuff using them. So it's really good from that perspective. But I think it's whether or not the goal becomes or the focus becomes their Instagram account rather than uh, becoming their performance in the track. And I think that's probably what Sonia's getting at. Because I think if Sonia was a, uh, if Instagram was around in the nineties, Sonia would have been on it and using it to to boost her own brand. Mm. But would we have had? The athletes of around that time maybe that weren't performing at the same level as Sonia would they have been using it as well or would she would, would she been giving out at the time or, or, or saying it, that they shouldn't be on it even though they weren't winning it there's only a certain number of athletes can win as well mm. um, and these athletes do need it to uh, to make a bit of dime if they're not making it off the meets yeah I suppose of the like top top Irish athletes at the minute Thomas Barr probably has the top like the biggest following I think and that probably that's mostly due to his success on the track but then I suppose he's grown that by being entertaining on social media as well, not just posting selfies when he's in the Olympic Stadium or whatever else. It's just by showing the side of his personality, which people can you know get to know as non-necessarily athletics fans. Who are like, well, geez, that lad's a bit of crack, and he's an athlete. Well, like, how many people, are, how many Irish athletes right now are making money off the sport? Mm, well, that's it. Yeah, most retired athletes using social media. they're the only ones using it to get it income. Like yeah. Gillick and uh, Derek Lorock, where would they be without their social media? Uh, yeah. Statuses now to, to, but like the athletes who are still competing, um, if they can not of grants they're getting off Athletics Ireland or the government, they're not going to be making enough money to earn a living. So if if they can make a few more quid off social media and it doesn't interfere with their training or their competition, then power to them. Well, I think it's embarrassing on one level that like the sport also we've spoken about this before doesn't help itself. Like Adidas, I've given like I think there's an Italian girl. That, She's gotten an Adidas deal, not because of her PBs, but because of her following on Instagram. Mm. So on one level, yeah, it's it's dreadful that they're not, I think even the brands and different people aren't rewarding some athletes even for their results and getting them. They can't even get a pair of shoes yeah. if they were anyway up and coming. But if they've actually got 10,000 followers, they'd probably get the bit of gear. Yeah, but I think if, if you look away from that and you think about whether or not the athlete is interesting, that girl, I don't know who, have any idea what she is or how good she is. But she's obviously reasonably interesting enough that people have actually decided to follow her on Instagram. She's pretty good looking. And it's she's huge. aesthetically pleased. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, oh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, they say. Uh, but at the same time, if you look at, say, the Kenyans, and we were always complaining about, oh, well, the Kenyans are all wearing the same tops and all that kind of stuff in races, and that they weren't, they're not interesting uh, to, say, European viewers. If you look at that now, we can go, well, you know, they're not making a huge amount of money off sport unless they win prize money. Whereas... Mm-hmm. You could take a normally a, a white athlete like who's a European athlete. They're going to make more money from commercial deals than than a Kenyan athlete would. It's the same thing here with Instagram. It's just in a different format. An athlete is making that athlete has got a deal because she's inter- more interesting in a way than an athlete maybe of a better performance level maybe isn't as interesting. Yeah, and another key area here is like as the title suggests, social media. In terms of the media platform, the landscape has changed. I know Frank Greeley was talking to. Sonia about that at the at the women's marathon when they were up in Mayo that like you know before when there's topics like this or anything to discuss you had uh, Peter Byrne Tom O'Reardon Brendan Mooney all for the Examiner Irish Times Irish Independent and one to others they'd be writing opinion pieces and they'd, there'd be a back and forth and they'd all have their angle and slant on it and there would be a response to even Sonia's article whereas now you have to go down the social media channel to get your story out there and mm, yeah. well, where was the story seen on social media where was it shared where was it commented on yeah. where were the arguments on social media um, but I think just the I don't know Sonia may not just realise how little athletes actually earn on the track these days mm. or from their commercial deals that even I, I can definitely think of a couple of athletes who have been convinced to join social media just to boost their brand image and potentially get their sponsors a little bit more uh, airtime because they're getting cash off them and that's what's earning them a living at the end of the day and at the end of the day we want to kind of keep these athletes maybe that are almost like we all talk about how if we have more athletes uh, competing in a higher standard across the board and more depth we're going to have that one or two really good athletes like Asanya Sullivan 
So to keep those people in the sport, they are having to resort to social media. So if we're giving out and going, oh, well, they need to concentrate on this, well, we need these athletes to hang around long enough that they might be able to turn themselves into a reasonably good athlete and we can push that one or two guys to become a very, very good athlete. Mm, and as we were discussing there, just uh, like say, Genevieve Lacaz, <clears throat> the Australian athlete, she has over 100,000 followers on Instagram, but she had a huge following before necessarily she was, you know, Olympic standard. In a, yeah, yeah. But that may have, you know, earned her a living so that she could continue to train at a high level. And then eventually she went on to make two Olympic finals, of course, in Rio. Like so, yeah. I think we'd all be in agreement there. That's been a win-win situation for her. Well, yeah, you get more money off your gear sponsor, and then also other commercial deals, which then enables to be able to invest more in your yeah. athletics, isn't it? To go on the training camps, mm-hmm. because like you know, as you've seen now with young athletes and stuff, it's everything you do costs money. You want to run and degraded. It's going to cost you eight euro. You want to get your shoe, like it all, mm-hmm. the whole thing. You want to go and do up. some drills in Santa you to pay a fiver. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it really is a tough sport, like, and that's where I think the sport doesn't help itself, that, like, we can't even use the National Athletics in, uh, not indoor arena, but the National Athletics Stadium for people to train. There's always events on this, you know, and that's the sense of, like, even the overall sense of well-being of the country, that there's facilities for people to exercise, get well, and in this term, we're obviously focusing more on performance. We, we can't, we can't use it and then, or else it costs you. So, you know, again, so back to social media, like if that's what's going to help you to even pay to use your local track, I suppose you're going to have mm. to. Yeah. I think the key is that they, they, they abuse it in the way that it's meant to be abused, i.e. to make money, to profit off other people in order to keep their own career going with yeah. the main focus of being performance. It's when people go and maybe are more concerned about what they're putting on social media than they are about what how hard they're training. Yeah. And you see, you do see guys out there who are stopping in the middle of runs and taking photographs of themselves yeah. out running. Oh, why do people have their phone on a run? Why, why, like, yeah. in any way, shape, or form would you do that? I have no exactly. idea. Exactly. Some, some of the social media, look, it's like everything. Like, some mm. of the social media stuff, it's absolutely painful. And yeah. then, like, these inspo stories and all, and yeah. fighting the good fight and all. And again, it resorts back to, like, people need to go on the track or the road or whatever then and feel, compete. And, and produce and deliver some results yeah just because the guy you're following who's run fast is doing handstands doesn't mean you doing handstands is going to make you run fast over 5k but uh, getting back to Sonia's point as well I suppose it's the kind of championship tourist kind of mentality as well that there's no harm with being uh, kind of promoting yourself all year round but once you get into race week at the world championships you don't need to be taking selfies in the stadium or posting snapchats at the breakfast or the McDonald's in the Olympic Village I think there's a time enough to put the phone down for a couple of days and focus on what you're doing. Or, likewise, it may be a distraction for you to keep you from overthinking about this, the situation or the competition, but it's going to be entirely individual, I think, for the athlete or what their sponsors or their following expect of them as well. So they kind of have to keep up their appearances a little bit that way too. Yeah, I think it's like with any form of whatever you use in like social media, things, like using it the right ways. I think the good athletes and even you know it doesn't have to matter about even if it's the high size level but like as you say use it at the right times and then don't you know there's no need at certain points to 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 use it where it's just applying more pressure on yourself to deliver at certain key moments yeah i think it works in not every way but like the guy the guy that uses it every week shouldn't stop using it Mm. coming up to an olympic games because if that's their routine that's what they're used to and nothing on it is going to put more pressure on them because they're as you said they're thinking about it more and their followers are going well, where's your mango? Yeah, where's your mango? Yeah, That's yeah. why he ran poorly because he, you know, he yeah. ran quiet and he was all too nervous or whatever, you know. So it's yeah, and I think Sonia is a generation ahead of us, and we're certainly a generation ahead of the youngsters coming through on social media now. So we're all feeling a little bit like Abe Simpson here. So we just hear what he has to say on the whole issue. What the hell are you two doing? It's called rocking out. You wouldn't understand, Dad. You're not with it. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with, isn't it? And what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. I think we'll all agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all don't really. <laughs> we're not down with the kids with Instagram and, and Snapchat, really. No. But uh, my dad is actually on Instagram now, and, and I'm not, which is disturbing in itself. Happy, I think yeah. you're, you're on there somewhere, Duggan. I am on there. I've never, I've never posted this. Lurking around. He's there. I'm super, a lurker. Super frustrated. I'm seeing, a lurker. He's seeing everything you do. But uh, sticking with the old domestic shores, the Congress was on down in Carrick and Shannon, great spot, at the end of April there. Um, and one of the motions which went through was that 
to be a three euro increase in membership I think but certainly three euro of the membership fee would be ring fenced specifically for coaching uh, or towards the development of coaching within Irish athletics uh, certainly a positive step forward anyway yeah I think of that quietly went through there and that kind of picked up on social media there as well funny enough on on how quiet that had been which is kind of a potentially going to be a big important step forward for hoping to provide more coaching and and more investment in the sport to help develop it uh, in Ireland so yeah I think it's looks like a hopefully a positive so just to put some context on it 60,000 60, members 3 euro 180 grand towards coaching for 2019 I think it's supposed to be brought in Ronan what do you think uh, should be or could be done with that money yeah well, that's a fairly big question but it's um, so it could be a fairly big answer please um, <laughs> no but like I suppose looking down the line you, where is that money going to be spent is it going to be spent on coach education like for 2019 it's not really going to make a huge amount of difference for going in the short term like what's the, the overall goal here with that money do they want to try and upskill coaches across the country are we going to just employ somebody and you know a performance director and elite you know that kind of is it going to be sent towards that um or are you looking at going and, and taking someone like uh the likes of breed golden or or, or terry cahill or or um or you know or coaches like that that are you know pretty much full-time coaches but aren't actually being paid to be full-time coaches and certainly give them a little bit of funds to kind of offset the amount of work that they do you know or, or mm. you know there are coaches out there that give their lives to these to the sport and if they were funded and they could take a day a day off work or maybe go on a few more coaching courses themselves at the really elite level like do we need any more level two coaches who just turned up to something and, and done a course for two days or do we need to really upskill the top top coaches yeah that's what i hope it doesn't go into bringing on more athletics leaders and level one courses so that we have more of the same of what we <clears throat> already have because i think every club in the country has coaches of level one standard at the minute anyway um which is good because it's certainly uh, worthwhile to do but I don't think we need a whole lot more of that we need to really be looking at the pointy end of things and really getting the coaches good coaches that we have turning them into great coaches um, possibly by getting in someone like a a high performance coach rather than director like say like a runner rider or someone like that who will cost big money but you pay them their big wage and perhaps put some of the surplus cash aside for the likes of the coaches you mentioned there to come in and be mentored by these top coaches give them a couple of grand a year each for their expenses to travel to take their day off work and come in and really turn themselves into the next high performance coaches dotted around the country yeah i think that's something that's worked really well in terms of that uh development of coach education and i think you can see it in schools competitions and in and in the national competitions, and the competitions. Technical events. yeah exactly mm-hmm. particularly in technical jumping sprinting and all that area i think you can see that now coming to fruition and now where we've got a good new problem and that like you've got a whole wave of talented under 14 to under 19 kind of athletes but one area how they're going to come through is actually good coaching to to know what to do how to bring them through Mm. and how to then and also a good coach knows how to manage good talent you know what i mean and their experience with dealing with with good talent and and talented athletes in that they don't they've seen it before they know how to handle it in terms of the training program but also just not getting like a coach can get excited like okay he's run 23 seconds for 200 and different things but like a, a good coaching experience coach like a runner rider or whatever mm. he's seen this a million times like right that's grand and all but like this is this development process this is how we manage it and how do we actually be, be create the athlete into a performer yeah, we've two problems in. I'd say it's across the board in athletics, but in in Irish athletics in particular, it's fourteen to eighteen. How do you how do they survive that period, and whether or not we can get them from, as you said, that talented? Like we have so much talented under 13, 14 level, and they're freaks out there. But where do they go from fourteen to eighteen? Normally, they don't go anywhere. And if they do survive that long, then you're looking to get them into that elite coach. And it is a case. The other problem then we have is that at eighteen, nineteen. We get a lot of guys hanging around and staying with their with a with a coach, or or maybe not moving on, or not going abroad, or they don't move on to another higher level of coaching, and then we we have that problem maybe that Sonia is talking about there, where we don't get it's really kicking on to the the highest mm. level and taking that chance again. So I think a big problem as well is not even moving on to a higher level of coaching, but moving on to the same level of coach but in a more convenient area to you. So there's lads moving from Kerry to Dublin to go to DCU or UCD 
and they're staying with the coach down home and they think they're getting away with it and then they realise a year or two down the line well I'm in the balls of those two years maybe now I should try and pick up the slack where I left off and join someone up here or the vice versa yeah I think just in terms of that it's like we've we've spoken about this before like America has the natural transitions which kind of Arose that where obviously we're a small country that it doesn't go like when you're in high school you're a high school coach and there's a natural ending when you go to college you mm-hmm. go to the college coach there's no real drama in terms of you know the coach and your league coach on, it's, yeah. it's a natural yeah. transition yeah. and then from college they then go for a natural transition into the pro ranks and again America didn't des- design it that way it's just conveniently mm-hmm. happened to happen that way so they didn't design this structure in any way and obviously you do have cases of people going back to their their high school coach yeah, like Alan Webb did and stuff and then also people stay with their college coach like Ray Tracy and Ron Warhurst with Nick Williams yeah just like you were saying there with the like the teenagers I think our 14 to like 17 year olds are brilliant at the minute though I don't think there's any drop off there really I think it's just 17 into that leave insert first year in college gap is where the big problems start but I think that uh, like mid teenage years has come on because of the a lot of the new facilities around the country first of all there's a load of new tracks outside of Dublin which are good because kids can actually go and run fast or do a long jump or throw a shot put or a javelin uh, once a week or whatever. They get a, a touch in with the event. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as well as that, the amount of coaches that have done these uh, coach development courses so they can actually give them the right drills and the right sessions to develop them. It's just, I think this cash needs to be pumped in towards the high performance end of coaching to get some of our great coaches in Ireland to become brilliant coaches and real international standard and uh, hopefully fatten out the uh, pointy end of our pyramid yeah I think the coaches need to be challenged and for coaches in Ireland now to be challenged they have to be we are going to have to have a couple of professional coaches because it's it's mm. an easy one for a coach now to say well I'm not getting paid I'm not getting things whereas yeah. you know a great coach and a, a, a really good coach is a strong personality is a strong character because it's about decision making as well as not just and dealing with people and not just writing the training schedule and I think that's where also like if we're trying to develop accountability we can't really be accountable on too many coaches or athletes because you know they 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 aren't in an area where they they have that kind of a setup that you can really challenge them it's like well you know the coaches they have to work nine to five some of those coaches that you they don't have a choice other than they must work so that impinges their time contact time and contact time is key to develop an athlete and if you have to work obviously you're really reducing that contact time, the quality of coaching that you can deliver. Yeah, because we we're all saying that about like whatever. Oh look, should we charge? You know, should we charge this fellow, or or should this guy? You know, should look for money off the athletes. And if you do look for money off the athletes, you do become accountable then to what you like when they're once, even if it's only a, a, a you know, a nominal fee, you become mm-hmm. accountable. Oh well, I'm paying this guy. But we have had discussions before about how athletes are willing to pay like a strength and conditioning coach or pay for physio or pay for whatever but we don't actually have that many paid coaches in the country and yet they're probably the most important thing for that athlete I think it's good for the athletes to pay as well though because it gives them a sense of right I've, I've bought into this system here I'm accountable for it now I've committed to paying this coach money I need to get my money's worth out of it and not mess about and waste this money piss it down the drain yeah and, and, and in turn wasting the coach's time whereas yeah. a lot of the coaches in Ireland and obviously around the world you're putting so much time and energy into them and then they're just going to pack it in and the money is one obviously it's a little bit of finance uh, but also two like I say that you know their investment that they're now committing now and it is again in one way like well at least they they pay some kind of money and it is going towards generally just covering your expenses fuel money travel and yeah it's not enough, but you, get yeah, that you're out. not going to be the Bentley but I, that's I suppose the three euro is a great start, mm-hmm. but again, there's a couple of couple of things uh, in terms of coaching, as you've just said there. If you want one of these kind of Rana Ryder, Dan Faff, or, or or even say Jerry Schumacher or any of these guys over the Barman Track Club as well, it's going to cost mm-hmm. uh, at least a hundred grand a year, like specifically if we want to get a coach, yeah, and a really high end coach to develop. That if you're giving a coach thirty thousand euro a year, you know that's really. That's what you're gonna get. Yeah, but like we actually have a bit of an advantage, is particularly with getting American coaches in. If you went to an American coach, like, and, and ask him, look, come you to come to Ireland for a year, and you're gonna get a hundred grand, they'll jump at the chance to come and live 
like Ireland, like in terms of tourism and everything as well, like they'd be delighted to come. Okay, I will go to Ireland for a year and bring the family. And it's something that's actually an exciting place for them to go. Like they're not. It's not about moving from one part of America it's to the other. Moving to Qatar or somewhere like that. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, it's about, uh, exactly one hundred percent. You're talking about moving somewhere where they actually would like to go, or, and the family would like to go. So it'll, it is easier, to, I think, to get people to come somewhere like Ireland. Yeah, but even if you got someone for a hundred grand, and then you can give twelve of our high performance coaches in inverted commas five grand a year for their expenses to travel up and visit this coach once every week or two or take a day off work to you know be their understudy for a while here and there and and even cycle it you know look you get you get a jumps coach in for for two years all mm. the jumps coaches get paid get paid to get their expenses for those two years to come yeah. up and 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 we'll work on that coach then you get a distance guru in and you do you can cycle it through different events over the course of 10 years and you those coaches are going to be around over those 10 years and have that knowledge yeah well i think that's where I don't think it ever actually happens really in terms of screening coaches and athletes in terms of psycho- psychologically, like in terms of what's going to be their level of commitment, like, you know, your VO2 max tests and stuff like that. But like, again, you're investing money in coaching. You want to sit down, talk to the coach and see, right, this coach isn't just going to be excited about this for a year or two and then just kind of like go off the wane. Like mm-hmm. say, e- even in that sense of like a lot of people, like even... I've done it. I've got a few coaching badges in different sports. Like, you know, they're not really... I've come along, I've got my badge, and away I go again. Yeah. And uh, you might put it to use later. But, you know, I think that sense of, like, you know, if we're investing in a person, how can we, you know, psychoanalyze them in some sense in terms of their level of commitment? So for you then to warrant an investment in, in some of the coaches and in terms of understudies of coaches, mm. that, they'll, that they'll go with it longer term. Yeah, I suppose it's a tricky one, right? But uh, another thing I'd be looking at is why do they need to raise the membership three euro for this? Surely there could have been some of that money already being gained from uh, this huge increase in membership could have been put towards coaching already. But anyway, we won't get into that. Maybe we can bust it up to a fiver next year. We'll have uh, 300 grand there for ourselves. Yeah, for the lads. Happy days. Anyway, moving swiftly onwards, we uh, had a question there on Twitter from Elizabeth Egan and she was wondering... Would any possible Irish records be under threat on the track or road this summer? Yeah, apart from the uh, 100 metres, obviously, of course, yeah. which looks like it's most certainly going up, but it has to still has to be, be done. done. We've seen the old Ronnie Rosenthal, or many's a finish under the crossbar. <laughs> Right in front of the goal line, he hits the underside of the crossbar. Obviously, that's it. Yeah, it's not done until it's done. Not done until yeah. it's done, and obviously, you know, the wind. As long as the wind is legal, if, if you yeah. keep getting illegal winds, and then you you miss yeah. out. So, I suppose discounting the one hundred to two hundred would be under serious threat if Phil Healy jumped into that. I think twenty three or two is the current record. Give her the four as well. You know, just for Ooh. might as well. Might be like a Sixty yeah. point. I think could be a tricky seven, one. I think yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, that two hundred could be a walk in the park for her as well. If, she gets in, into good weather with a, a nice 1-2 national record double day would be pretty sweet wouldn't it so yeah I, the 100 as well it's, it's not only going to be on the shed from Phil Healy yeah absolutely yeah. there's a couple the of there's plenty of Foster yeah, and so then Jane Ackby Moses has been in good shape and yeah. even one of the younger guns like yeah, Kieran Kieran anybody yeah, yeah. there is a batch of sprinters and any yeah. one or two we haven't even mentioned might Bolt from the blue exactly absolutely yeah the ones I was looking at were the relays so that, I think that women's 4 by one relay if they can get themselves together on a good day they could smash that uh, record I think it's 43 seconds or just under 42.9 maybe and likewise the men's 4 by one record is 39.23 I think and if you've the likes of Marcus Lawler <clears throat> if Leon Reed gets his uh, identity crisis sorted uh, Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Phillips has run a 10.4 this year already he's run 10.3 PB so there's three men with 10.3 PBs already um, Joseph Ojiwumi 10.5 Windy and Waterford like there's some serious talent there in uh, both male and female short sprints. Uh, women's 4x4 record? This is around 330, is it? Not sure. Yeah, but you're probably missing that one mate. Like if, if yeah, it's not going to run a 50 point. on a 50 point split. Yeah. Well, you feel Haley kind of clean a man and keeps improving, then you've got yeah. two there and then. You only need two more. You're right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I was like, take that on. Well, you name got the, the other two. <laughs> name them. Get, like uh, all the other girls. Yeah. Yeah. You can all get Sinead Denny and Catra uh, McManus and those like running 52, 53 splits. 
Yeah. McManus is one that could yeah. improve because she's not that long doing 400 either, so you could see a, like a, a jump there as well. That's yeah. a clash of another three or four girls easily that can and then you've load in of, those other two slots. A load of juniors there as well coming yeah. through in under 23s like Tavisha Patterson and a few of those that'll be just... Mm. Joanna Mills. Coming on, oh, leaps, wait, no, <laughs> coming, on, <laughs> coming on leaps and bounds. <laughs> anyway. Shin scale, uh, Yeah, so I think... Uh, what about uh, the middle distance? No, we're done. No, not a whole. We're no. finished. We're never going to... Dark English, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah never uh, rule that out. Uh, David Matthews' record is one forty-four eighty-two. Yeah, so the uh, women's eight hundred as well. Yeah, she women's eight hundred. She had a great year. Yeah, she's won the Big East there again. We'll go get into some of the NCAs later, but yeah, she for and you know what? Yeah, it's going to be Roseanne Gavin's record two flat fifty. Yeah, you see the first the first sub two. She for could be the mm-hmm. rare names of the the record books. Yeah. Um, you could see you'll see I think. Outside of the senior records, obviously you'll see the likes of Sarah Healy. Good yeah, well, yeah. records. Yeah, but she narrowly missed out on the Irish youth record over the fifteen hundred meters at the British Miles Club, and that was just due to some bad pacemaking. And she picked her up at six fifty, gone missed out by a few hundredths of a second. Uh, so yeah, there's always uh, too many to mention, I suppose, in the youth and yeah, juniors at yeah, the moment yeah. that they're going to be broken. Rashid Adelecki uh, is obviously going to be putting a lot of things under fire as well I'm sure once she stays injury free I think back to the seniors in like jumps and throws are all going to be fairly safe but maybe Adam McMullen could spring something pardon the pun 7.99 yeah. indoors 8.07 he has to beat outdoors it's definitely possible the only thing is the, the the fact that there's not a heat like say if that was a, a distance event or even a sprint event you'd, you'd feel that there was going to be a major jump from a indoor to an outdoor but guys can't have jumped like a member around Sebastian Boyer in the long jump yeah um, and what was he? He jumped like seven or like eight, eight it's, fifty something, or yeah, something like that, and had never gone near it before yeah. or since. So it's it is one of those ones where it is such a. Oh, yeah, but Matt Mullen is jumping eight seven eighty on a bad day. Now, yeah, so like, no, yeah, he is. It should be. He won't be that far away. Yeah, if you can certainly get over the seven ninety nine, anyway, he'll be within I'm reach. I'm sure he'll take eight meters anyway. Yeah, all day long. Eight zero zero. Exactly. Absolutely. Be happy. But uh, yeah, um, I still think. What we're, we're clutching here. Well, we can rule out the 5,000 and 10,000 yeah, yeah. uh, for men and, the marathon and, and for women. 38 year old women in the marathon going to break any records? But yeah, possibly for the largest combined age. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> that was mentioned by Sonia in that article as well. Yeah, well, the mar- two marathons won't be broken anyway. This no. marathon season is over as well, yeah. obviously, apart from championships. Sean Tobin, uh, well, it's probably going to rapidly improve over the chase. Yeah, it's 8.24, I think yeah. that's safe. And What did uh, he run for the Cebu Chase there in his debut? 8.52, yeah, yeah, two or three. And he ran nine minutes there in his, ah, yeah. seventh in his, in his region there. Um, women's Cebu Chase, Roshan McGettigan, no, that won't be no, challenged good, this yeah. year. And Sonny's 15, 3K, 5 and 10 are no yeah. off the charts for the moment. Yes. Uh, Sarah Healy and them have a few years. Garrett Gardy's a backward runner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and the walks. Robert Heffernan's ones are certainly out of yeah, reach. And, uh, maybe the 50k walk, actually. I don't know if it's an Irish woman done the 50k walk yet. So they're oh, yeah. an Irish senior record. There's, there's one for you. Because nobody will break. I think, is it Olive McNan? Probably has the 20k. That won't, yeah. be, that won't be touched either. He's going to jump in there. Some of the O'Connors from West Waterford, perhaps. <laughs> I'll put it this way. No, no matter who breaks it or, runs, or, or does it, or to, well if they run it yeah. uh, another case in their hands <laughs> but Olive Lachlan has, I guarantee has done 50k and done it much faster I've done the roads at some stage she yeah. might make a comeback just to get around record on yeah and why not post on her social media and make some cash exactly yeah. social meads <laughs> and yeah. why social meads is Dougal likes to call it anyway wrapping that up uh, heading stateside Phelan we, you were introduced to a new man there over the weekend you'd heard his name around before but just yesterday you realised that you couldn't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth! Who is he? I certainly couldn't, he's the Gator, he's Grant Holloway. Grant the Truth Holloway, so yeah, I think I screenshot that earlier, but he's the first athlete ever to do it outdoors, to run under 13, 20 for the 110 hurdles, and then jump over a 10, I think, for the long jump. So yep. uh, I know there's a lot of people saying, and. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yes. especially for middle distance junkies, but and he's also split Long sub forty four, sub forty four for a four by for a four by far really. Yeah. So uh, well, there are two of our most respectable Irish records: thirteen thirty in the hurdles and eight oh seven in the long jump. He's better than both. way better than both of those. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, and he's a collegiate athlete. Anyway, this guy is a serious and also sub forty four on a relay split. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and he's uh, with the Florida Gators. So I think good, that's the university. There's a good chance that he'll never be heard of Florida, again yeah. in the next two or three years. No, I think we, this <laughs> man will be sticking around. He ran the world's fastest time indoors over 60 hurdles as well. Uh, it didn't go to the world indoors because he was too busy winning and oh, yes, winning, the, winning the NCAA indoors and coming second in the long jump. Can he catch a ball? Because uh, then he might need another wide receiver and then he won't play again. <laughs> <That's very good. laughs> well, that's the thing in America, isn't it? Like, you're going to make way more cash. I think, I remember one of the times when I've said it before when I was back in London back in 2006, but anyway, there was a Benny Brazel who ran in the ran the 48 or something for the four hurdles, but then decided he'd make hay in the uh, one year football games yeah. and uh, <laughs> make a bit of cash. What was the name of the uh, British discus thrower? Do you remember his name? Uh, Lawrence Okoye. Lawrence yeah. Okoye, yeah. yeah. He's still playing. Banking cash should... sitting on the bench. This is going to be Lawrence Okoye's year. This year is yeah, going to be Lawrence Okoye's year. This is going to be my year. Meanwhile, he's going to make a hundred grand sitting on the bench and doing a bit of practice and reading the plays. Whereas you'd make a hundred euro from the discus. Okay, exactly, yeah. Unless he was extremely active on social media, of course. A free pair of flat Nike discus strong spikes. Yeah. Well, Devin Allen as well there. Uh, did he get a medal in the World Championships last year? And then goose his knees. No, well, no, he was one of the isn't it? In uh, no, he's he's a pro athlete now. But in 2015, he was still in NCAA and he was playing for Oregon, the Oregon Ducks as a oh, wide receiver yeah. as well. And he did his cruise shit, so he then he went to track for the summer and made the Olympic team in 2016. Then went back to the football, did his cruise shit again, and said, "Right, a bit, maybe I'll just stick to track." But <laughs> he uh, also a good man on social media. He was there down in Australia wearing his singlet, which had his face emblazoned all over, it, or him crossing the line. Has a picture on his singlet. Look it up there. It's very great. Oh, interesting. But he also had the T-shirt of himself on it. But that was at uh, some kind of a festival. What was that Mardi Gras? I don't know what it's called. Oh, it wasn't it? Or was that a Coachella? Coachella. Yeah, the yeah. T-shirt on there. Yeah, wasn't it a a meet? But Tremendous. yeah, quite interesting nonetheless. Okay, yeah, so that's there. Uh, also in the NCAA, is there yesterday? Uh, we seen the ninth fastest time ever by a four meter hurdler from an under twenty. Her name Kentucky. is. Sydney McLaughlin, fifty-two seventy-five over the hurdles, and uh, Owen Buggy pointed out to me earlier. I think that it'll be sixth fastest on the flat as a junior this year, so far. Yeah, something so else. As Spike Smike tweeted, they said there's three things sure in life: death, taxes, and Sydney McLaughlin breaking another world under twenty record. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so that was fairly insane. Yeah, uh, we were talking. So she says she's split as we were saying sub earlier, sub fifty for a four hundred on the relay, and yeah. uh, run. 50 point and basically she's still uh, she's the new bolt yeah she's the next bolt I remind all the lads yeah look she's I remember dinner's going on yeah she's big on social media she's got a big following and uh, hopefully she's one of the people that's going to develop and be a star of the sport Uh, I remember just talking earlier in the week to Cahill just about like you know even I know we're going to talk about the Diamond League shortly but like the middle distance and different things like there's no people now that Mo's gone that who's your you need your Who big names your like your Roger Federer or whatever I'll even look was Mukhtar Edris beat him for the 5k last year and was in the the Shanghai Diamond League and got blown out the back door like like Mo would never that would never happen to Mo no. whatever you want to say about him like he he was always there in the mix for the win in pretty much any race he's been in over the last few years exactly um, and you need you do you need, need your that. winners to generate an interest and a, and a, and, a, mm. and a focus for fans to to look at these key athletes like obviously even Valerie Adams in the shot put was always yeah, winning yeah. and eventually she got a profile for herself and for shot yeah. because anybody turns like, oh there's your one she's always winning yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you're, you're casual observers of the sport yeah. that's who mm-hmm. they want to drag in like not us losers who watch any old donkey Absolutely. back to the hurdles at the NCAA is Jasmine Camacho Quinn 1240 ah, yes, was she there she <laughs> was indeed yeah, the Quinn's in Calvin she's a relation to them she uh, 100 of a second off the uh, collegiate record and fast in the world this year as well and there was also a world junior record in that race 1275 from another girl who I don't know her name um, yeah so fairly sick stuff as always but like they say people going mad that this is oh it's the fastest time we've ever seen in May yeah but this is the time of year they need to run fast <laughs> that is their job run fast for your college in May and uh, yeah because in America they've actually been competing for a number of months yeah. and as you said as well yeah. Jared, they've had a full indoor season as well and the NCAA uh, outdoor championships are coming up now that most of them will not be running uh, by the middle of June this year but there's no point because they they're not allowed to earn money so there's yeah. no point in going earning the meagre sums of cash that they can gain around the circuit and on the quiet yeah I think the main Irish performance just in terms of they were big east and there were people competing in different regions but uh, Schaefer Clary Butner won back to back now big east 800 metre titles she's still going well and she's going to have decisions to make then when she finishes this year where 
the the old classic do I stay or do I go for when she graduates from I think I'm talking really old now I remember watching her doing in a minor uh, or not even the minor she ran junior when she was a minor back in the day in the cross country and yeah she won her six cross country six cross country titles in her own and she won the national junior cross infamously at the age of 14 and uh, yeah so she's uh, got that decision to make but the key thing is she's running well hopefully and she won the bronze medal indoors at the NCA so outdoors hopefully be another big one for get the medal and that obviously then increases your uh, sponsorship uh, potential with mm. the with the brands and also as a result getting into to Meets. a group stateside which I'm, I'm allowing that's probably yeah. the route that she'd, she'd go down uh, in terms of that so get into a group like as you see the Oregon Track Club or whoever else there is for, for opportunity for her to, to go down that route to develop so that was the main that was the highlight I know there was there's plenty of Irish athletes competing over there but that was certainly the highlight Irish performance in the in the NC2A championships uh, yeah preliminary rounds <laughs> anyway <laughs> so back to last Saturday we had Shanghai I got Shanghai upstairs to a press conference yes Nelly Shanghai by Jack Charlton there yeah we were Shanghai and we've lost our proper journalist over to the United States but he'll be joining us again soon but uh, yeah, Wycliffe Kinyamal, I think in the 800, he's, set, he's from the same town as uh, Dave Radish, and he said it's his time now. So. He said, I'm not here to take part, I'm here to <laughs> take over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of WWE style uh, um, kind of hype there, so we'll see where, how Wycliffe Jean can do, um, or will he be gone till November? Mm, Is he ready or not? Exactly, yeah, here That's, we go. Yeah, I don't know any other Fuji's. song or Fuji's related songs. Yeah. What's your look? That's all I got there. Yeah, we had uh, She Yahoo, or whatever <laughs> 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 That wasn't just Balaam having a meltdown there. It was Who Ya She or She Yahoo in the long jump. 19 years old, jumped 843. Remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> Remember you heard it here first. He was uh, bested in the end by Luva Manyonga with uh, 856, I think, in the last round on a soaking wet day. but uh, yeah, she dislocated three phalanges in his foot on takeoff, so he could be out of action until he's twenty. But it might be there's no big competitions really for him this year, other than to earn some cash on the circuit. But uh, yeah, yeah, eight forty three was still pretty good for a long jumper at the age of nineteen, or mm. any age in fact. Absolutely, yeah. The, uh, the hurdles. Oh, my Claude is back to winning ways there. There was a few uh, issues with. The wet track, I think, has seen uh, Garfield Darien and Aries Merritt saying they basically just had to kind of pull out halfway through the race because they were slipping and sliding. Spikes weren't sticking to the track properly, so that was a bit of a ball for the boys. Huh? Exactly, especially over 110 hurdles, you can't really be yeah. messing around there. They're soft, soft, soft. Yeah. Wouldn't see it in the steeplechase. Not a hope. They're sure wet anyway. That's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else decent over there, Phelan? Uh, Stephen Gardner, the 400, another sub 44. I think it was 43.98, was it, or 99? Yeah, he, Gardner is still uh, flying away there. He's in good form. I think, you know, this gets back to, I think, Shanghai kind of came and went, didn't it, really? And now we're moving on to, right, we get rid of Shanghai, and now we're on to Eugene, and, we're, and mm. people pay a lot more attention, I think, to So it was one of the big shocks of the day was Reese Prescott in the 100, lane 9, got the win with 10.04. Like I said, it was absolutely lashing rain, but he was... I think it's... Uh, Su Bing Tang who was second in the 60 metre in the world indoors was well clear after about 50 metres and then uh, Prescott got up there for the win by hundreds of a second in the end Justin Gatlin uh, languishing down in seventh everyone very disappointed for him but he still picks up a couple of grand so good man yourself another one actually yeah, a bit of a stickler for me is Christian Taylor was in the 400 right great he's the world Olympic champion in the triple jump it's a bit of crack to see him running the 400 but at the end of the day he's taking cash off other athletes who can run faster than him for 400 metres why is he given a lane yeah but the other the, I did actually pay a bit more attention yeah. to the meet that Christian Taylor actually mm. was running a 400 on one level that, that's that's yeah, fair yeah I know I know what you're saying but it, I suppose it is it's kind of when it goes back to our social media conversation there like what's more interesting like is it more interesting just have some another, another random 400 metre runner who can run 45-1 or 44-8 and you're like okay great but there, hey there's Christian Taylor how's he going to do yeah, exactly, no, it, is. it is like it is. Yeah, but he doesn't need the cash. No, but it's him like, a, let him run a different meet, not a diamond let, league. I think next week we should have him fight a bear. That's what I think. Probably. I watched that. I think it goes back to look again the sport and even Eddie Hearn. I think he, at Mister Apples and Pears, Eddie Hearn from Matchroom Boxing. I think he sold this thing for a billion. But like you're you're selling fights, you're trying to sell meats, and and some of it is that like look, you've got to be 
somewhat way interesting to the general public and I know they have a right turn of wage but you know on one level they can go down to McDonald's and work a 10 hour shift or something <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a bit harsh but at yeah. the same time you know Christian Taylor yeah, it's more uh, interesting. He's going to do the 400. I certainly perked up and said, oh, Christian Taylor, I might actually... Anyway, as well as that, two lads around 47 in that race, so he wouldn't be the first one to get the boot. So <laughs> no. Well, he came fifth it. in the end. Yeah, but all the meets, and I suppose that's what they used to their advantage, and it is good. You've seen that in a number of the races, that somebody ran 345, I think, for 1500 and stuff. Like the domestic meet, they put in generally a local. Obviously, it generates... Mm the locals interest and you're trying to develop your own athletes so yeah. you know there's yeah. there's always going to be give and take and, and we're we're all going to uh, uh, make a story suit our own needs as well would I ever <laughs> <laughs> well the other night uh, Paul Chalimo showed that uh, no matter even if you're a professional athlete you still make the basic errors of a nine year old by looking around himself down the home straight to get a cut on the line in the 5k oh is that what happened oh I didn't yeah quite like, get look, that. I knew it was like 15 but, times but, but I didn't realise that was what happened I thought he yeah, just yeah. got out sprinted no I had 200 to go and just kept looking around himself and eventually lost by like 0.01 of a second or good something. stupid yeah. then good. that was idiot that was basically two of the things I suppose I was looking at for a person it was obviously just Gregson and uh, Stuart McSwain was 13.31 in the 5k and Gregson was around 7th or something like that 3.36 in the 15 but uh, again just developing the point that I think it was I think Tim, Timothy Chariot won that fifteen hundred, and again in the middle distance ranks, I think it's Balu or something won the five k who beat Paul Chalimo. That we need runners, uh, people that can win consistently to develop that kind of fan base following. Mm-hmm. And why do we like Christian Taylor? Obviously, because he's won a lot in the in, in the triple jump, and when the champ goes into different things, you know, you, you actually pay a little bit of attention. And that's where certainly in the middle distance area, uh, that uh, we we'll, we'll hopefully have. Somebody like a like a mode taking over, and that mm. it's, it's the winner's enclosure needs to be the the f- familiar faces that we can be attracted to. Mm. Don't know. I think just the middle is a waste of time anyway. But the sprints, <laughs> <laughs> the sprints at the minute, like you don't have obviously bold, but uh, it's good to tune in and see who's going to win. Yeah, you have more competition, and probably uh, the races are going to be there's going to be more competition in the races. Bold in the last couple of years couple of races that were pretty much set up for him to stroll away to victory so mm. at least there's maybe more interest yeah but also I think but at the same time people like Shawnee Miller-Weebo is, is winning regularly but she still hasn't developed the uh, invincibility yeah the invincibility yeah. but also the catch on or the buy in from from the public into her persona yeah but I think, I think we're it's going to be a little bit of time before that's going to happen and like I think nobody over the last 10 years has made any inroads because the boat was such a big star so it's going to take time like with it there's been no major world championships no major uh, world event since bold finished up with the exception Come of the world games. Games. Was that was games. huge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, we all watched was world indoors on it, well, I think two of those were on yeah, yeah so like, possibly but like I don't care about the, I didn't even watch either of them so and I'm supposed to be into this a lot of nonsense but like you know I, I think it's no one has really they haven't had the time to develop that like not, not everyone's watching the Diamond League to get that following they need to win two Olympic titles or win Olympics in, a, in the fashion that Bolt did there's no point in even trying to do what Bolt did yeah well I think it's your that. own your own personality like I think people like uh, Concessus Gabruto for one I think I know he's been struggling with a little bit of injuries but he he has a lot of personality and he's shown it in the steeplechase and there are a couple of athletes out there that do have that bit of a bit of a star attraction like Renault Lavalini is another athlete who kind of generates a bit of interest in headlines and he has his he's not like Usain Bolt but he still has his own kind of bubbly personality and he's zipping up and down his his one piece suit and stuff and he's doing a few somersaults as well at times so yeah again just in terms of basically we're placing it's, it's a stop off point and then we'll pay a little bit more attention again for the Diamond League in Eugene Shanghai came and went absolutely so anything else coming up this week that we need to discuss uh, no just to finish off we mentioned uh, Sarah Healy there just great still an up, great upcoming talent another brilliant performance to win a senior race at the British Mars Club and importantly winning the race and responding uh, with 150 to go it looks like she was going to be swamped she responded again and won and she's going to be competing in the, the Lancet schools as Rashida Adelecki and a few other upcomers yeah, I'm actually fearful about saying this because I think it's going to set you off. But uh, 
I think school athletes and look she's done it on the weekends maybe that, that she was able to do it and then come back and run the Leinster schools and it's all a development process but I remember, it brings me back to a friend of mine who ran tried to run a, a, an IMC race on the same day that schools are on athletes who are in school should be running the schools and not trying to run our events or we've had we've had athletes run events like the day after a school's race or the day before a school's race and their main focus should be the schools and winning the schools and winning it well and developing through that rather than chasing around Europe trying to, to chase claims. Absolutely and they should never be let skip the schools to do no. something else and be put back into the next round or Nonsense. any of that kind of crack. Again it's about fundamental athlete development and building the foundations that you can become a good athlete and how do you build those one is through obviously competition and building your training over time that you can succeed when it matters and not as I say chasing everything that's quick and safe now mm, yeah mm. well done <laughs> uh, just very quickly back to that BMC there was a star performer age 15 years of age please tell us Phelan you missed out that one <laughs> yeah it kind of passed me by as I was watching the whole race as well but Max Berg and said uh, 15 15 years of age and under 17 at the 147.50 was pretty phenomenal and uh, again in terms of upcoming stars we'll see is he a flash in the pan he, he was he ran fast last summer and again he's turning 16 next month so uh, yeah it was outstanding performance cool conditions so can he go faster and again we were mentioning earlier like people like prodigies that do kind of come through Steve Cram at 17 ran 357 for the mile so it's not always a case of uh, burnout bur- burnout yeah could be the next uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen yeah I think even Steve it could be yeah and Steve, Steve Oyet I think has I think he had broken a forward mile one time at a young age and they wouldn't give it to him <laughs> they said no it's four minutes not for you not for you too young to be yeah it's not humanly possible Anyway, I think that wraps up for this week's JTG podcast. Thanks for listening in again. And don't forget to give it a share and a tweet and whatever else on Twitter and Instagram and all those social medias that we're all such a big fan of after today. And we will be back. Give us a share and everything. That's a please, Sean. It's a necessary necessary evil, I think we can conclude. Absolutely is. But uh, we'll be back next week and we'll hopefully have Ronan join us again as we'll be absent without Cahill. And maybe he'll even stay even longer, even when Cahill comes back, perhaps. No, no, God no. There you have it, definitive answer. (laughs) Anyway, thanks again. Tune in next week. Bye.